Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we wanted you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message with our very own Pastor Terrence Wilson. So I got, I got a word that I, that I want to preach. Who was here last week? Who was here last week? Praise God. So you came two weeks in a row. Man, you already starting your 2024. Great. I, I just want to give you a little praise report. Can I give you a testimony? Last week, this place was packed and it was crazy. Y'all, I, I, I got in the car with my wife and we drove down to the Miramar High Campus. Y'all, by the time I got there, the church house was already full, y'all. It was standing room only at the other campus. I'm preaching a mess of people standing up. I'm like, Lord, this is something else here. People came to all three services. I want you to understand what's happening here is happening in other parts of the city and other parts of South Florida because I believe that God is causing revival right here in this cool family. Amen? So I want, I want you to testify because you can get to see it. So I want, you, I want you to know things are happening. Amen? Who has your Bibles? Hold them up. Let me see them. Let me see. Come on. I like big Bibles and I cannot lie. Come on. Oh, that one got like a gold seal on the front of it. I like that. That's, that's good. That's a, that's a good one. Okay. Who has your, your phones? Hold it up. Hold it up. If it's not an iPhone, put it down. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> Half the people going to leave the church right now. Don't leave. Don't leave. We love iPhones and Android users, but we are praying for Android users in the name of Jesus. <laughs> If you don't have a physical Bible, you can get it on the app or the, there's going to be a big giant Bible behind me you can read along. We are turning to 2 Corinthians. We, we started this series about amen. A, anybody know what amen means? Just, just qu- three quick words. So be it. It's like, God, I'm about to get out the way. So be it. You do what you can do. Amen. So we started this series on amen. And today I wanted to take a turn, a different turn. But first, I'm going to read our, this is our verse for the year, y'all. This is what we believe in. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Amen. Let's just, can we just read that together? All right. So everybody, let's, let's read with me. Say, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. And the church said, now I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. And this is where we're going to land today because not only do we need to understand that the promises of God are yes and amen, we also need to understand how to pray the promise so that when we say amen, the promise is fulfilled. Amen? So here's how we pray. At least this is how Jesus taught us how to do it. Matthew 6, 9 through 13, reading out of the King James, it says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us 
from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And everybody said, amen, amen. If you are taking notes in this second part of the amen series, I've entitled it this. Pray the promise. We're going to pray the promise. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, once again, we thank you for this day. For this is the day that you have made, God. Let us rejoice and be glad. And God, I thank you that I will lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be my home, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. God, open hearts, minds, and ears to be open and receptive to a word that will always and only be about Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. God, I pray that before this is said and done, you would open hearts, minds, and ears to be receptive, God. I pray for the one God that needs to hear this word the most. I pray, God, that those that are far from you would draw near to you. God, those that have never known you, you would make a proper introduction to them today. God, I pray that you would be willing to come down and just embrace somebody and meet them right where, right where they are today, God. Do a new thing. Do something we haven't seen. Whether in this room or somewhere out there in the world, I pray that somebody that hears this message, their life will be changed forever. I pray this, God, in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, give him praise for about five seconds. Come on. I'm going to go through this quick because I made a promise last week. I'm going to make sure I get to hug as many folks as possible in this lobby when this thing is over. Amen. But I got a word for you. So 2024, we declare, is the year of what? Amen. It's the year of amen. And we said that amen means so be it. I, I, I love that. So, so when we pray, we literally, we just say amen and we, we get out of the way and we let God has him, have his way. Why? Because I love this. Amen is an activator. We use amen at the end of a prayer, but I promise you when you say amen, it's not the end. It's only the middle. It's the middle. It's the place where your faith gets to align and connect with the miracle that God wants to do. When you say amen, you know what, I, you know what you're saying? God, I trust you. I prayed what I had to pray. I said what I had to say. I'm living the way you want me to live. My faith is aligned with you. Now I need you to put your super onto my natural and I need the supernatural to start to happen in my life. Amen is not the end, it's the middle, and it's also the beginning of what God wants to do. Because he wants to align your yes with his yes. How many want your yes and God's yes to be one? I want my yes and God's yes to be aligned. I want to come into alignment for the assignment that God has given me. Why? Because I don't want my will to be done, I want God's will to be done. So knowing that, when you say amen, I find, it, I, I find it to be very important that we understand what we are saying amen to. We've heard a lot of things preached and we've heard a lot of things taught. We've heard a lot of things that people say and they sound good and we say amen. But do we really understand what we are saying amen to? When we pray, I want to make sure 
that my amen solidifies what has already been prayed. So I want to come into alignment with what was said. In order for me to do that, I have to understand what was said. Right? So knowing that, when, when I say amen, I want to take a moment today to learn how to pray the right way. Because it's not enough just to like say something that you feel faith about and say amen. No, 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 no. I think there's a right way and I think there's a wrong way to pray. And I know that based upon scripture. Amen. Scripture says there's a right way and a wrong way to pray. So, so today, instead of me praying the way I feel, instead of me praying the way that I think, why don't we just pray the way that Jesus prayed? Amen. Amen. We know if we pray like Jesus, we're always going to pray the right way. Amen. I love this. I want to pray the way that Jesus prayed so I can get the response from God that Jesus got. When he said amen. When he said amen, miracles happen. When he said amen, heaven came down to earth. There was something to the way that he prayed so much so he made sure that he taught how to pray before he left this earth. So I love this because once again, if there's a right way to pray, there's a wrong way to pray. And right before the verses I read, Jesus clearly outlines this. And I'll give you the, the, the quick version of what he says. He's like, hey, don't pray with a motive to be seen and heard by others. The prayer you pray is not about the eloquence of the prayer. It's about the heart of the prayer. There's a lot of people that pray and they pray just so you can hear what they say. And when they pray, other people feel bad about the way that they pray because maybe they don't sound as eloquent. Maybe they don't have as many big words to use as the person that prays. They decree and declare a bunch of stuff and half the time they don't even know what they're decreeing and declaring. And the people around them that want to be blessed by the prayer can't be blessed by the prayer because they're too self-conscious of how they themselves pray. If you hear me pray a certain way, I'm here to exhort, I'm here to encourage you in your prayers. I'm not here to make you feel bad about yours. And I may pray a certain way on the pulpit, but can I tell you there's a way that I pray when I'm by myself? There may not be a lot of these and thous in those prayers. As a matter of fact, those prayers sound more like conversations. Sometimes they even sound like arguments with God. Lord Jesus. You know my favorite place to pray? My car. Oh, I go in in the car, man. Oh, in the car, it's just me and God. I talk the way that I want to talk, and I don't say, God lordeth on all of heaven if I decree and declare that while I driveth down 95, I won't cuss it the person outeth. No. When I pray, I sound the way that I sound. God, hey, I ain't even got it today, God. I, listen, listen, I need, I need you to help me because you already know how I feel about this. Like, like God, for real? Like, really? I know, I, I, like, I, just test it for me. I, I really got to go through this, God? Like, I, I talk to God the way that he made me to talk. Why? Because we are all creative expressions of our creator. Do not dumb down who you are for somebody else. Pray the way that you need to pray. Say the things that you need to say. God made you the way he made you. He's not surprised about how you're going to come about a prayer to him. Pray the way that you need to pray. Say what you need to say because God made you that way. So when we pray, it's not about the eloquence of words. It's more about the heart in which you pray. Just like, man, don't be, don't be praying for people. 
Don't be, don't be praying for the applause. Because if you pray for the applause, that's all you're going to get. Don't pray for that. He says, if you're merely focused on the words of the prayer, you're really missing the heart posture that Jesus is instructing us to have when we pray. So there's five quick things that I want to say about prayer that have less to do with the eloquence of your words and more to do with the posture and submission of your heart. You may not use these exact words, but this Jesus gives us a cadence to use in which we pray. It's not a cadence with our words, it's a cadence with our heart. So the first thing, if you want to learn how to pray the promise, you must first remember this. To pray the promise, you must acknowledge. Look at your neighbor, say acknowledge. Look at your other neighbor, the one you don't like so much because you picked them second and say acknowledge. You must acknowledge the one with the power to keep the promise. I'm going to mind my business and sip this water. When I pray the promise, I must acknowledge the one with the power to keep the promise. Look at what Mark, excuse me, Matthew 6, 9 says. It says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father, everybody say our Father, in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You hear the acknowledgement there, right? I love this. This part of the promise is about honor. Why? Because who you pray to matters. Who you pray to matters. Like, it's a, it's a big deal. And not just a big deal to God. Who you talk to and who it's addressed to, it actually really matters for you too. I'll prove it to you. How many of you get mail at your house? I get mail. I get all kinds of mail. And when I go to the mailbox, I take out the mail. You know what I'm looking for when I flip through the mail? The mail with what? My name on it. My wife gets mail, I'm like, heh. Baba gets mail. <laughs> Here's the crazy part. I've been getting mail at my house for people that have not lived in my house for the last eight years. You know what I do with that mail? I used to be real nice about it. I used to like just like kind of leave it like up on the mailbox. Oh, maybe the mailman going to come and he going to realize that this person don't live here. Because they got the right address, but they got the wrong Maybe he's going to realize that he's going to stop sending this thing. Now, now, listen, I don't even do that anymore. I mean, trash. I disregard. Why? Because it was not addressed to me. And I need somebody to understand. You can send the request to the right address, but if you don't acknowledge the owner of the house, don't be surprised if that prayer gets disregarded or it comes back to sender. God wants to know who you call on and when you know who you call on, when you understand that he is the only one that you call on, then he will first acknowledge the request, but God ain't even looking at it if you're not smart enough to get the right name on the request. He says, our God, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I love that. Let's break that down. Our Father. In a Jewish custom, culturally, you know, they would never uh, say a name of God directly. They would never say the word Father in a prayer. So when Jesus comes, he's already shifting the paradigm. They would never say father. Why? Because culturally, they thought saying that was too intimate. 
I'll give you more proof of that. The book of Matthew is written by who? Matthew, it's not a trick. <laughs> and Matt, the, the, the theme of Matthew is that Jesus is the son of God and the savior of man. Who was he trying to prove that to? He was trying to prove it to the Jewish people of the day. They were waiting for a Messiah. They were waiting. And Matthew's like, man, I walk with him. I talk with him. I know that this is the one. He is here. And I'm trying to convince you to come out of your ways of Judaism. And I'm trying to connect you to something new. Y'all old covenant. But he has come through his blood to bring a new covenant to you. So Matthew, when he writes, there are things that he writes in his book that are just naturally understood by Jewish readers that must be explained to us. And one of those natural things is that they never address God directly. They'll say, you'll see this, 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 this saying in Matthew a lot, this saying kingdom of heaven. It's more of a generalized way to address God. So, so when Jesus comes on the scene, says, hey, let me show you how to pray. Our father, everybody's like, what? What? No, 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 no. Jesus you can't do this because, no, no, you're talking to God like you got an intimate relationship with him. Y'all, he says our father because Jesus has called us to bring some intimacy to our prayers. You have a beautiful daddy up in heaven and all he does is desire to have an intimate relationship with you. See, some of y'all keep God at a distance and you think, oh, I could just say general stuff and I can address him in a general way. No, I love my daughter, but you know what I love? I love when she says daddy because there's, a, there's more intimacy to it than when she says dad no when she says dad I know she's done with me when she say daddy I know she wants something <laughs> and there's an intimacy in the relationship and I want you to know you have a heavenly father that wants you to have an intimate relationship and he wants you to address him as such why because so many times the reality is we all love to call on God but most of the time it's not because of the intimacy we have with him we only call on him because we need something and Jesus says, hey, you need to put some respect on our heavenly father's name. And when you talk to him, you can address him intimately because he wants to know that you don't just want him when you want something. He wants to know that you want intimacy, real in-depth relationship with him. And if you believe that, say. Amen. So he's not just the father. I love it says our father. That's powerful in itself. You see, our father speaks to the community. It speaks to all of us. He's not just exclusively my father. He's our father, isn't he? He's the father of this heavenly community and he hears all of our petitions. Aren't you glad that we can all call on him? Once again, Jesus was saying this to break down something of the day. If you wanted God to hear you back in the day, guess what? You had to go through a mediator. You had to go through a priest. You had to make a sacrifice. And Jesus breaks it down. He says, no, 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 no. 
no longer do you need a mediator because I am here. I am the great mediator. I am the one sacrifice that will come for all time. So you never need to make another sacrifice again because there is no sacrifice that you can make that's greater than the one that I'm about to make for you. So you don't need to go through a priest. You don't need to go through a pastor because you have intimacy with the Father. All of us have the right to go to God directly. So if you waiting on the pastor to pray for you, it's not that I don't want to pray for you. We always pray for you. But you don't got to wait for me to pray for you when God has intimacy with you and you can pray to him for yourself. If you believe it, say amen. He is our father. So we can go to him directly. But then it says, hallowed be thy. Not only do you address him properly, not only do you approach him with intimacy, our God, I, I love you, Pastor Al, because you already said he is set apart. He is hallowed. He is holy. There is no one like our God. His name is holy. It is sacred. It is set apart. We must honor him and give him the respect that he deserves. Don't just honor God with your mouth. Don't just honor God with lip service. Honor God with your actions in your everyday life. I always say the best sermon I will preach will never be with my mouth. It will always be with my life. Why? Because my work is my worship. The Jewish people would say my which means work and worship. They are one in the same. So I don't just honor God with the things that I say. I honor God with the things that I do. And if you've known me long enough, when you see me operate, you can see the way that I honor God in my everyday life. So don't get upset with me when you see like, dang, the pastor, his prayers always getting answered by God. You know why? Because I honor God with all of who I am. Not just my words, tool of my life. You got to put some respect on the name of God, man. It's the same name that says the name of the Lord. Just his name is a strong tower. The righteous run to it. And the Bible says that they are saved. This is why when people are getting into some stuff, the first name they call is not their doctor. The first name they call is not their lawyer. When the plane crash, you don't call any of those people. You say, Jesus! Because even the heathens recognize that there is some safety in his name. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, but I love it because the Bible also says that at that name, Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. This is the God that we serve. He is holy. He deserves to be honored. And everything about God is, is holy. His name, his kingdom, and his will is holy. If you believe that, say amen. So if you believe that his name, his kingdom, and his will is holy, then you know to pray the promise you must submit to God's will, not your will. This is the second part of the prayer. Matthew 6.10 says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I love this because this part of the promise is about submission. It's about submission to the most high God. You know what I love? There's a huge difference between heaven and earth. 
in heaven, everything must submit to the will of God at all times. No matter what's happening, it's God's will. When God says go, people go. When God says jump, the angels say, how high? Everything moves the way that God calls it to move in heaven. Something different happens on earth, though. And I'm going to tell you why. Because it's one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given us. The reason that things don't move on earth the way that they move on heaven, because God gave us all a beautiful gift called free will. As beautiful as a gift as that is, do you know sometimes your free will can block God's will? Because God gives you a choice to love him and a choice not to. So there's some things that we want to see manifest on earth and we don't see them manifest because earth is not like heaven. We have this beautiful gift of free will so that if God says move, we can move with him and see heaven come down to earth or we can make a choice not to. But if you make the choice not to, don't wonder why things on earth are not moving the way that they are moving in heaven. To see heaven on earth, we must fully submit our prayers to break the resistance that is created by our free will. Fully submit to it. You see, when you begin to want what God wants, he will always answer you because he wants to use us as conduits of his will on earth as it is in heaven. You say, how you get your prayers answered? Want what God wants. Want what God wants. Wants. I, I, I love this because it even goes, it goes even beyond wanting what God wants. I, I, love, I love my daughter. I talk about her a lot. And, you know, there are times, if I can be honest, I ask my kid to do stuff I know she don't want to do. I do it on purpose. How, how many parents y'all ask your kid to do stuff you know they don't want to do? It's funny, like, I, I keep saying this, like, the older I get, the more I'm becoming my parents. So, like, I do, I do, like, nonsense stuff. Like, I remember, man, when I was a kid, like, my, my, my dad would call me, like, from outside playing. Terry, come inside. Come in the house, boy. What, what you need, Bob? Go run and get me some water there. I was all the way outside. You was right there. I got to come in again. Terry, come, come. Dad, what you need, Dad? Pass me the remote there, man. Couldn't do that stretch, huh? Just, just too much. Dad, I love you. You're going to kill me later. I love you, man. <laughs> I asked my kid to do stuff that I know she don't want to do. I, I, I do it on purpose. Why, what's, what's happening there? See, when, when she comes in, she's going, listen, she's going to do what I ask. And the church said, she's going to do it, but... Sometimes she does it with a good attitude and sometimes she does it with a bad attitude. Is that just my kid or is that somebody else's child out there? Okay. Here's the, here's the truth. When she does it with a bad attitude, it never goes well. It, it's like, oh, oh, we in it now. We in the battle and I promise you, I have never lost a battle in my own house. Right? It never goes well when she does not have the right attitude. The truth of the matter, though, is when I ask my kid to do something she don't want to do, and she does it with the right attitude, it pleases her father. Feels so good. 
when my baby wants to do what I have asked her to do. And I want you to understand you cannot pray God's will with an attitude. Because like some of us think, God, I prayed the prayer. That ain't good enough? No. You wonder why you're not getting what you want from God? Because maybe the attitude around the prayer is not okay. And you know, usually when the attitude is not correct in the prayer, your attitude ain't right when you pray because you still think your way is better than God's way. That's the only reason you would do that. Because if you knew God's way was the best for you, which we all know, right? We all know we don't always act like it, but we know the only reason you have an attitude is because you still think in your limited minds. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. In my limited mind, there's some, I, I wouldn't have done it this way. Because we think our way is better, we get an attitude. And when you want what God wants, you must want it with the proper attitude. Why? Because this is the key. God wants you to want his will. He don't want you to just bend the knee to his will. No, 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 no. He wants you to want his will. Because when you want God's will for your life, you are fully submitting to the fact that God's agenda for your life will always be better than your own in the long run. I can guarantee you that Jesus did not want to go to the cross. Who would want to do that? He did not want to go to the cross, but he went with the right Watch what the Bible says, Luke 22, 42. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. That tells me he ain't want to go. Yet, not my will, your will be done. Could you imagine Jesus complaining about his calling? What if that verse was like, God, you can take this cup from me. That'll be cool. But you couldn't think of another way to redeem mankind? God, if you could take this cup from me, that, that, that would be great. But like, why I got to die for these humans? Some of them going to reject me anyway. Could you imagine if that was the scripture that I read to you? Let me ask you this based upon what I just said. Would you respect Jesus if he complained about you while submitting to his father's will? There is not a person in this church that would be in this church right now if you served a complaining God. But we don't serve a complaining God. He does what he has to do with the right attitude, even if it meant carrying a cross, even if it meant death. He was willing to do what he had to do for you. Why? Because when you love someone, you're going to do what you need to do. When you love someone, you're going to sacrifice. Love makes you do things with the right attitude. Jesus loves us, so he submits to the will of the Father with the right attitude. And the truth is, the power of submission is lost in the attitude of submission. I submit. No, you didn't. Not if your attitude is trash. You can't just submit your will. You must submit your attitude. It's the power of submission. is only held back by the attitude of submission. I promise you if, you, if you willfully submit to God, 
you will always get what you want when you want what God wants for you willfully. So now I don't pray to give my will. I pray that my will bends to the will of God. But not only that, to pray the promise, you got to ask for what you need to win today. Today. Ask for what you need to win today. This is a, hey y'all, this is a daily ask. It's a daily ask. 611 says, give us today our, our daily bread. I love this because this part of the promise is about trust. This is straight up about trust. Like, I got to trust when I wake up, I trust God for today. Are there things that I'm praying for in the future? Yes. But if I don't get to see the future, I need to know that I trusted God today. This is about trust for today because God, this is the beautiful thing about trusting God for today. He has a new supply for you today. I love God because like God ain't carrying over leftovers from yesterday for you today. He says, see, I am doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? Like God wants to do something new for you today. This, I love this because this is a prayer. I ain't not, now I'm not talking about wants here. Okay. How many of y'all want something? I do too. But how many of you know my needs usurp my wants? So this is not a prayer of our need when Jesus prays this. This is, this is a prayer, excuse me, of our need, not our greed. This is a prayer of our need, not our greed. This is why I love Philippians 4.19. It says, watch this. It says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Does it say my God shall supply all your desires? Does it say my God shall supply all your wants? My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God cares about your daily needs. And sometimes I think that we stop asking God for stuff because we think sometimes we believe our needs may be even too small for God to notice. But Jesus corrects this line of thinking. He says, give us this day our daily what? Our daily what? Doesn't say our daily money. Doesn't say our daily ideas. Doesn't say our, 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 our daily place to live. He says, give us today our daily bread. I, I love when the Bible uses uh, uh, specific words that seem like they're not intentional, but every word in the Bible is so intentional. Give us today our daily bread. You know why it's bread? Bread is such a common thing. It's such a simple little thing. It's such a simple, basic need. And, and I love this because as big as our God is, he sees your most simple need. He sees the little intimate details of your life and he says there is nothing to, because, hey, it's, you know what? Sometimes I feel like it's easier for people to ask God to move the mountain. God, heal me of this. God, do this. But like when, when you just need some like simple little basic things, I serve the God of the big and I serve the God of the small. Y'all, this is why the Bible says to pray without ceasing because in that line of praying without ceasing, there's big things to pray for and there's little things to pray for. I went to Aventura Mall yesterday. I promise you, I prayed for the parking spot. But just like I pray for the parking spot, I pray for the healing. I pray for it all because there is no need that is too big or too small for our God so I don't I don't regulate what God does based upon what I think he is willing to do based upon the size of the need I allow God to work in all the areas of my life big or small I need him every day 
He's the God of big things and little things. And here's the thing. He even knows my needs before I say them. So what am I, why am I worrying about it? I love what the Bible says. Matthew 6, 31, 32, he says, so do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows you what? He knows you. He didn't say he knows you want them. God already knows you need it. So he's saying, don't worry about it. Pray about it because he is the God that understands and knows all of your needs. And when you pray, your heart should be humbled to know that we serve a God that knows your needs big and small. Amen. Don't worry. Pray. Ask God. He will supply your need. Look at the fourth part of the promise. To pray the promise, you must confess and repent. There's never a time where I pray that I'm not confessing or repenting something. I promise you. Why? He says this in Matthew 6, 12. He says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's funny. Everybody wants forgiveness, but they don't want to give it. Forgive us our debts as, as we, as we forgive our debtors debtors. You see, this part of the prayer is about humility, y'all. Don't come to God if you're not humble. This is about humility. You know the thing about debt that I love, and I'm so glad I used the word debt? Debt has a way of humbling you. Anybody ever been in debt? I got my hand raised. I've been there. Man, I remember when I was a college student, man, I, I was taking 18 credit hours. I had three jobs. I am not joking. I made futons. I was like, what? Yes, I did. Long story. I made futons. I, uh, I did graphic design for a minor league baseball team. I was a, and I was a TA all at the same time while taking 18 credit hours. And I ain't that smart, but with God's grace, I got straight A's that semester, y'all. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Leaned on God. Students out there, you could do it. Okay. But I remember, man, I, I was stressed out, not just because I was taking all those credit hours and working all those jobs. I was stressed out because I realized that at the end of the semester, I ain't had the money to pay the bill. I was like, Lord, I'm working all these jobs. I got, I got rent. I was, living, I was living on my own. I, I had to pay bills. I was like, God, I, I need, I need, oh, I can't figure this out. And if you know me, if you've known me long enough, the people in my family know, I hate to ask people for help. Like it like, it burns a hole in my soul when I got to ask someone. Because I'm like, you know what? I'm going to figure it out. And whenever, where there's a problem, I see nothing but an opportunity. I'm going to figure this out. We're going to get this done some way, somehow. But y'all, man, I was a 20-something year old. I was trying to figure this out. I was like, man, I, I can't. I can't do this. And my mom and dad, you know, they, they, they sent me up to school. My mom and pops they was working all kinds of jobs, all kinds of things like that. And I was like, you know, I'm going to figure this out. I don't want to ask them for nothing, man. Because, I, you know, I, 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 back then, I was like, if I'm asking for help, I'm admitting I'm failing. Now, I'm, I'm busting my behind. I'm working hard. But I just was like, no. They got to see me win. I can't do it. And man, one day I, I was like, you know what? Every, every bill, you, you ever get into one of them days where like all the bills do at the same time? It's like, wait, it just snuck up on me. It ain't sneak up. It was there the whole time. You know what's coming. All the bills hit me at once. I was like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I had to humble myself. And I made that call I didn't want to make. I said, you know what every young man do? Mama! I called my mama. 
And my mama, the old saint she is, she already knew, because she knew, one, she knew if I called her, it was serious. I picked up the phone, I said, mama, she said, what you need, baby? And my mom sent what I needed to get me through that season of life, but I would not have gotten what I needed if I had not been humble because debt has a way of humbling you. Y'all, when you know a debt is too large for you, you're going to find some humility real quick. You say, I ain't got no cash debts, but we all got a debt to pay. Every time I pray, it can't shake in my spirit that there was a debt that I could not pay. There was a debt that none of us could pay, y'all. There is not a moment in my prayer life that goes by where my heart does not break because I realize I must humble myself and repent of things that I know and that I don't know because at the end of the day, there is a debt that is owed on my life that I did not have the ability to pay. But the beautiful thing about debt humbling you is that you know that there is a God up in heaven that loved you so much that he said, you know what, don't worry about it, son. I got it. What you need, I could pay your debt. When you can't pay it yourself, I'm going to pay it for you. And when you realize that your debt has been paid by salvation that only comes through the sacrifice on the cross of Jesus, when you realize that, the beautiful thing about debt humbling you is as you realize God's forgiveness over you, you will be quick to forgive others. That debt that you had to pay should make you quick to forgive. When you think about all the rotten things that maybe you've done, that maybe you've been still living in the guilt and the shame of, that God says, let me wipe this slate clean for you. When God wipes that slate clean for you, you need to be quick to do it for others. Because the same Bible, after the verses I read in Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, for if you forgive other people when they have sinned against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Some of you want to move forward, but you got the weight of your own unforgiveness on your life. God has not freed you from a season because you haven't figured out how to forgive in the season you're in. Maybe the prayers are being blocked and maybe the voice, the, you, you can't get your, your voice through the ceiling to reach into heavens because maybe not just everybody, but, but may, maybe there's a person in this room that you have still not forgiven somebody that God has called you to forgive. Live in humility knowing that there was a debt that you cannot pay that has been paid for you. And be willing to forgive somebody else. Because prayer should allow you to let go of the things that you hold over others. Because Christ never held what he had on you over you. This is the God we serve. So when you pray, your heart needs to be humble when you think about how Christ was willing to pay to free you from the guilt of your shame and sin. But finally, as the band comes up, I need somebody to play keys so this last part sounds spiritual. Huh. 
To pray the promise, you got to acknowledge the one with the power to keep the promise. To pray the promise, you got to submit to God's will, not your will. To pray the promise, you got to ask for what you need to win today. To pray the promise, you must confess and repent. But finally, to pray the promise, you must seek guidance and deliverance. Seek guidance and deliverance. Matthew 13 says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This part of the promise is all about deliverance, y'all. It's about deliverance. And as a believer, God must order our steps to deliver us from the areas of life that we have not fully submitted to his control. I love what the Bible says in Psalms 37, 23. It says, the steps, of the, the steps of the good man or the steps of a righteous man are what? Ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. So I love this. Being led properly by God is deliverance. I, I just, I, I need somebody to catch that. Being led properly by God, y'all, is deliverance. Some of us just need to thank God for what he has led you away from. Like, danger doesn't mean that the danger wasn't there. Right? I, I love this because deliverance, listen to this and catch this, deliverance is not only, God, get me out of this. Is God, don't let me get into this. Can I share my testimony with y'all? Because see, you know, to be a pastor, man, some stuff got to happen in your life. I ran from this call for a real long time. Man, oh, you, you wouldn't even believe my testimony if I told you. The person that you see standing here today, mm -mm -mm, if you knew what I came from. Y'all ready? I'm going to share it with you. It's real. It's real out here. I hope y'all don't look at me different by the time I tell you this. Ever since I can remember as a little boy, my mama kept me in church. Church is the only thing that I've ever known. And from the time I was a little boy, all the way through my adulthood, I always knew how important it was to keep Jesus at the forefront of my life. And y'all, the truth of the matter is, my mama made sure that I was raised in church. And that verse that says, train a child up in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. I feel like that's a verse that's about my life. Because God did something in me at a little boy. And my entire life, was I perfect? No. But I never really veered far from the path. And that's why I'm here today. See, some of y'all weren't expecting that testimony. You know why? Because we glorify traumatic testimonies. We glorify people's trauma. I was locked up. I shot 10 people. I was this. I was out in them streets. I slept all around. I was in the club every day of my life. And then God got a hold of me. I, I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint you because I know you was waiting for something. 
that ain't my testimony. I love Jesus since I was a little boy. I still love Jesus today. I wish there were some people in this room that would get excited for the things that God delivered me from that I never got to see. Because the truth of the matter is, the greatest danger in my life, because I followed the directions and the steps of God, I never saw. That's my testimony. Not that I had to go through a bunch of crazy stuff, that God said something and I listened. That's my testimony today. And you can't take that from me. Now I know there's some people that have been through some stuff, but why don't we start getting in the habit of thanking God for the things that he saved us from that we never saw? Hey, there's this new show on Disney Plus called What If? Talks about all these more, you know, all the superheroes and all that. It says, what if their life would have turned out a different way? You know what? I'm so glad I ain't got to think about what if. I'm so glad that this is my... There's a lot of places I could have been. There's a lot of things I could have seen. A lot of places I could have gone. A lot of things that I could have done that would not have been beneficial to the kingdom. But I don't even have to imagine what those things are. Because none of them will be greater than what God is actively doing in my life and what God will do next. For I believe this is my testimony that the best of my life is yet to come. And I ain't got to worry about the things in my past. I ain't got no skeletons in the closet. I ain't got no demons chasing me. I can walk forward and free without guilt, without shame, without issues because God set me free before I even realized and knew I needed freedom. I serve the God that has loved me so much. He has loved me and he has kept me. I don't say that to shame anybody in this room, but I'm here today because the greatest dangers in my life are the ones I never saw. Because God delivered me from them by not allowing me to walk towards them. Y'all, let's be honest. God's delivered us from some things, but there are some things, and this is where I fall into, that you willfully walk into and you need deliverance. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I love it because when I say you got to seek deliverance, you need to ask God to show you the areas in your life that you need deliverance. We're asking God today to fully submit the areas of weakness in our lives to him in order to live out 
his divine deliverance, his plan for your life so that we don't willingly fall into the traps of the evil one. And maybe your life wasn't as dramatic or traumatic, but guess what? The Bible I read tells me all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There are things I know I do wrong and there are things I do not know that I do wrong. So I am seeking those things out in the spirit so that God can create in me a clean heart and renew, a, renew, renew a right spirit within me. That means every day I need to be submitting who I am to God. Whether I've been through the drama or I haven't been through the drama. I need to be humble enough to know that we are all only a moment away. Sin is crouching at our door and I'm praying, God, show me in my heart the areas that are not right and deliver me before I even make that mistake. Deliver me before I walk away that you don't want me to walk. God, deliver me. Reveal it to me. I seek them out so that you can make me new from the inside out. Renew a right spirit within me. Never leave a prayer without looking for the areas that you need God to renew. And it finally says in Matthew 6, 13, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This part of scripture has been debated about for centuries because theologians believe that Jesus actually never said it. They believe that leaders of uh, Jewish synagogues in the temple of the day, they added it as a doxology to the prayer. And it's been used so long, nobody can tell the difference. They don't really know if it's what Jesus said or if it was just added as a way to seal the prayer. But it's such a powerful way to end the prayer. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. See, by the kingdom, we understand that there is a supreme authority in which God has all rule and power over. He is not a president. He is not a prime minister. He is a king. But he's not just a king. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. So for thine is the kingdom and the power, the power is the supernatural ability that God has to rule over the kingdom with all power and authority. It is that power that he allows to work through us when we call heaven down to earth. It is by the kingdom and the power and the glory. The glory is all his. The glory belongs to no one else for he is God and he is worthy of all glory and all honor and all praise. Not just now, not just tomorrow, not just in the past, but forever and ever and ever. Our, our God's glory will never end. One day, family, we all going to get to heaven and all we going to do is give him glory while we stand on streets of gold. All we going to do is give him glory when we walk through the pearly gates. All we gonna do is give him all the glory and all the honor and all the praise and we gonna sing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty 
because we acknowledge him as a king over a kingdom with all power and authority. So he deserves the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen, which means so be it. We gonna get out the way and let the king rule the kingdom while sending the power of heaven down to earth. And we agree and say, amen. So I know that at the end of the day, I can confidently say amen to the promise that was prayed because we know it's done when we pray scripture because when we pray scripture, we don't pray the problem, we pray the promise. I say amen to the promise. Bible says in James 5 16 the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective so for somebody in this room or somebody on the online it's time to get right maybe your prayers haven't been hitting the way that you want them to hit because maybe there's a God-shaped hole that needs to be filled righteous means in right standing I think a lot of times we pray to God in our distress but I said it at the beginning God ain't listening to prayers without an intimate connection there's a relationship that's required thank you so much for listening to hear more messages like this one please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel and if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends because it helps so much. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.